Welcome to Five. Aqua JPIA staff will ask guests five questions. The five questions will focus on pooling, water, risk, HR, and leadership. Five responses with valuable information for JPI member agencies, boards, and staff. Thank you for listening. Please welcome our host and guest for today. Well, thank you to David Hodgins for that wonderful introduction. Thank you to Cliff Diver Music for all the music you hear on this podcast. And welcome to JPIA 5. My name is Adrian Beatty. I am Aqua JPIA's Assistant Executive Officer, and I'm personally very excited to introduce today's guest, Anne Gergen, who is the Executive Director of the Association of Governmental Risk Pools. She's going to give us some insights into what is happening in the pooling industry at the national level. Welcome, Anne. Hey, Adrian. Thank you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about AGRIB? Well, I'm sure everybody already knows who we are. I don't think I even have to say a word about it, right? Uh, <laughs> well, just, I don't know. Some of our members might need a little bit of a Totally, record. totally kidding, because we're such a, um, a small niche sort of association and organization uh, that only our members really know about us. And of course, Aqua JPIA is a member, uh, has been a member of AGRIP for a long time. We are an association of risk pools. So our members are pools just like the JPIA. Uh, we have members in the United States, we have members in Canada, we have a member in Australia as well. And so all of our risk pools, um, they're all structured a little bit differently or they can be structured a little bit differently. But the thing they all have in common is that they serve public entities and they serve only public entities. So all of our members are risk pools that are serving only public entities. They all have a little bit different coverage. So there can be multiple coverage lines. They're all structured a little bit differently, uh, but their mission is all the same to serve those public entities that um, are part of their membership. We have about 215 pool members. So that is um, again, US, Canada, Australia, 215 risk pools, just like the JPIA serving those public entities around the US and, and in those other countries. AGRIP itself is a not-for-profit organization. We were formed uh, 1998. So that's that's who AGRIP is. So what what's the birthday AGRIP just celebrated? Oh yeah, I was trying to do that in my head. Is it 2024, 20, right? So I think we're 24 and we'll get to 25 next year. That's very exciting. Yeah, it's all good for me, especially. So um, I started in risk pooling in 1997, and I have been a member of AGRIP since inception. So for me, like it's kind of fun to be here and to be the executive of an association that I've been participatory in since day one. So what drew you to the risk pooling industry and how did you come to lead AGRIP? Yeah, so I, um, you know, I connected to local government at a very early age. So I came from a family of volunteer firefighters uh, and I sort of saw from that, you know, early age Thanksgiving table experience where uh, the pagers went off and everybody had to get up and leave and the rest of us sort of waited for them to come back. Uh, I certainly saw that mindset of service and that, that local community service from day one. Um, so that kind of connection was always there for me. When I was in high school, I had this totally random and very, uh, in retrospect, you know, very life-changing um, informal mentor 
a woman who was the mayor in the small town that I grew up in, who uh, I connected with. And she sort of taught me early on about focusing on solutions and strategies instead of complaining about problems. And so when, as I got older, as I got into college and I, I wanted to focus on a local government career, um, it really was about that combination, right? I wanted to be someplace where I could solve problems, where uh, I could serve the public and the public's interests. Um, and then even that connection to emergency response and, and disaster response that I had from my firefighter uncles and, and uh, EMT aunts. So uh, I started my career in local government and then I found out that all of those same concepts, right, problem solving, focus on solutions, they are what pools are all about as well. And so I was a member of a pool when I was in local government. Uh, I was a, a purchaser of the pool's coverages. And then uh, I moved into pool management. So I did that for about 17 years before I came to Agrip. Wow, that's fascinating. It's amazing how one person in your youth can make such a significant impact on your life choices, right? Absolutely. And I still like I look back on that and think, well, that was that was directional for me. No question about it. So what are a couple of examples of ways uh, you've seen that pools have really made a difference for their public entity members? Yeah, um, well, it's a good question, because I mean, even the framing of that question, Adrian, gives me pause a little bit. Like, what do pools do for their members? I see pools so much as just an extension of the members, right? To me, there isn't really an us and them. There isn't pools doing for the members. Um, there are just pools doing with the members or because of the members, right? We're just an extension of those members that we serve and everything that we do, we sort of do in the collective and in concert. Um, so really, I think that any accomplishment or any activity that I would point to of a pool, I'm really pointing to those underlying public agencies that, that formed the pool in the first place. Um, the things that stand out to me over the history of my career, both in a pool, well, actually, both in a public entity, in a pool, and now at AGRIP, the things that really stand out, the most meaningful differences are the ones that I think about that had a personal connection. So I think about um, you know, we've got uh, pools who have responded uh, when there have been school, school shootings or other school violence and the things that those pools have done for the children and their families and the school districts. Um, I think about our, our instances where we've had maybe something go on in public safety and our pools that have provided the necessary mental health services in public safety, the counseling, um, all of that, the response to those first responders, if you will. Um, we have a, a great story that I always think of about one of our pools that had a, a work comp claim. And it was a pretty unfortunate work comp claim. And the pool, even though it was outside the, the confines of coverage, uh, the pool retrofitted a house in order to be accommodating to the person who had been injured um, at a public entity. So for me, like the most meaningful things, I, I often make that connection first with those really personal stories and those really sort of, um, yeah, just individualized stories. But I, I think the other connection is just the overall culture maybe of that fix the problem mindset instead of 
looking to avoid a risk or looking to assign blame. Pools really focus on just how do we fix this problem? What can we do to fix the problem? So, you know, um, I've been part of pools that had major disasters, natural disasters, wildfires, um, floods, or not hurricanes, but um, tornadoes. And our goal was always to get the money in the hands of the member as quickly as we possibly could so that the, the public agency wasn't limited in their response by their cash flow, right? So let's get the money in the hands of the members. Let's them let them do what they need to do quickly to respond to that natural disaster. Um, similarly, when we had those natural disasters, we were all about resourcing, right? Hey, we need to get um, snow plows. Uh, we had to get snow plows in to clean up the debris from a tornado. Well, how do we make that happen? Let's call the neighboring communities. And so for pools, they really get to stand in that hub position and just help find the resources, uh, connect the members together so that they can get what they need when those bad things happen. So personal kind of response, um, that problem-solving response. The other thing I think pools are really fortunate to get to do, uh, and the, the big difference that they can make is just to shape the market that they're in. So we have pools that just innovate coverages all the time. You know, pools um, created this thing called no-fault sewer backup coverage. That was a pooling innovation. Um, there are pools that offer extraordinary expense coverage. That's a very unique coverage. You would never find that elsewhere in the private market. What pools are doing right now with cyber coverage, right? They're innovating in ways that the private market might not otherwise be doing. So that's of real value to all of the public entities that pools are working on behalf of. Yeah, so those are all. Go ahead. Really great example is that, uh, you know, I, if I could kind of summarize, it kind of seems like you some of the big themes you hit on were uh, community, flexibility, and ingenuity. Those are all things that we're able to capitalize on in the pooling industry. And I think it's why a lot of people that sort of stumble into this industry end up staying here for the long term. Yeah, no question. I think that's a good summary. I realized uh, I probably skipped the most obvious example, which is the risk management aspect of what pools do day in and day out. You know, the employment hotlines, the best practice guidelines, just helping our public agencies uh, avoid the risk in the first place. Um, that, that perhaps is, you know, one of the most obvious values. And I, I skipped right over that one. Well, those are some great historical examples. Um, what are you seeing sort of looking forward? What trends in public entity risks do you see across your membership that our members might like to be aware of? Oh, that's a good question. Um, honestly, I am, I am giving a presentation on much the same topic in about two weeks, and I've been struggling a little bit with how to approach it. Um, and here's why. I think what everybody expects me to say uh, to that question, right? What are the things we should be watching? I think what everybody expects me to say is, let's watch wildfires, let's watch um, hurricanes, let's watch cyber losses, right? Because the trends are changing or the claims are getting more costly or more frequent. But the truth is that there's always something, right? There's always some new risk or some changing risk. And so when I think back, like I started in pooling in 1997, 
one of the first big things that I remember was Y2K. And so in 1999, we spent a whole bunch of time and energy worrying about what the scenarios were coming out of the the changeover to the year 2000 and what the dangers could be and how we were going to problem solve for it. And that was all time well spent. But after Y2K, then we were worried about, you know, drones, or then we were worried about tasers, or then we were worried about new work comp legislation that was expanding presumptions or PTSD or, you know, whatever it is. The thing is, that's what pools are good at. And we can figure that stuff out all day long. That's our purpose. That's our mission. That's our strength. So there's a whole bunch of those things, right? I could spend the next hour just listing risk after risk after risk and say, those are trends that every public entity ought to be watching. But I don't think it's, I don't think that's the thing to watch, right? Because we're going to figure that stuff out. I think the thing to watch is the variability in how those issues get perceived. And I think it's worth watching the value of those issues. Um, So, you know, you look at what today's environment is like and the public perceptions, right or wrong, Uh, and how that flows through to perceptions about local government and perceptions about um, policy and how those perceptions influence the policy that gets made. Um, You think about the cost of claims and the desire to find someone to blame um, and to find somebody who you can make pay. Uh, Those kinds of things, I think, you know, they're a little bit different jurisdiction to jurisdiction, which is another interesting thing. There isn't necessarily um, one problem to solve, at least in the United States, there are 50 problems to solve because every jurisdiction is a little bit different and it's playing out a little bit differently. So I think a a trend to watch just in your own local area, in your own pool is, you know, what what are the things that make our risks variable um, and how do we I don't think there's a, an easy solution for that by any means, but just understanding the dynamics that come into play with that one is probably worth watching. Um, now, all that said, and all my comments about, you know, the next risk is just the next risk, cyber, absolutely cyber is a risk we have to pay attention to. Um, it's a bit different because of its complexity. It's different because you can't really sum it up very quickly. I mean, it's an infrastructure issue. It's a people issue. It's a policy issue. um, And it's changing so fast. You know, it's not like Y2K where we spent two years planning for it. And then we watched the clock turn midnight. And then we kind of like brushed our hands and moved on to the next thing. This one, every day, it's a new risk. And that is a, a very different dynamic for us. So that that absolutely begs um, or bears some watching. And Y2K, there was a finite endpoint, right? Once that clock turned over, it was like, woo, we, we avoided all of the terrible things we thought were gonna, we were going to happen. None of the computers stopped working and everything kept working. And there's, there's, no, uh, there's no end in sight, really, for cyber. Well, yeah, and, and even if there was, I mean, there's there's an end in sight to today's problem, right? But tomorrow there's going to be another problem and we don't know yet what it is. So that's the tricky part about cyber right now. Yeah, I agree. We've been having lots of conversations with our board about cyber as well. So it's 
it's definitely constantly evolving. And again, um, you know, we're good at finding solutions. We'll find the solution, but there isn't going to be just one. Um, and this is an interesting thing about pooling on the whole. You know, we talk about the 215 pools and as an association, we exist, you know, just, just like through the JPIA, your public agencies um, coordinate, collaborate, share best practices and ideas. Well, pools do that through AGRIP, right? They all come together and they talk about what's happening. Cyber front and center on everybody's radar screen right now. But, you know, the cyber issues and the cyber environment in California is different. And, and in California water agencies, um, that's different than the cyber landscape and the issues that are facing South Dakota municipalities um, mm -hmm. for a variety of reasons. And so it's hard to even find commonality, you know, from, from one pool to the next. Yeah, that's very true. So that's a lot of the uh, not so fun stuff of, you know, things we're going to are going to keep us up at night, really. Um, let's talk about what are some things that excite you about the future of pools um, like Aqua JPA? Um, yeah, well, there's there's a lot. Um, so in the pooling community right now, we're at a really interesting time in our sort of history uh, as as organizations, we're 40 years in, in some cases, closing in on 50 years in. Uh, some of our pools have been around for 50 years. Uh, even the young pools really have been around. The, the greatest subset of young pools have been around for maybe 20 years. And so part of the fun of this industry is that we are, we are just at the point where we have a foot in both sides or both camps, right? We still have the founders around, we still have the people who were around when the pools started and who really remember what that innovation was like, what that build something mentality was like. Um, they can share with us that history, which is super relevant in some cases. And we, we sort of are still have that, that momentum of being sort of the new thing on the block, right? But at the same time, we've got some turnover happening and we've got some fresh perspective. And I'm not just talking about, you know, within the pool itself, but even the, the governing body members, the people coming from the public agencies who are sitting on our boards and our executive committees and what their expectations are and what their ideas are. You know, we've got some, some new ideas, some fresh perspective that's going to serve us really well for the next 50 years. And I feel like I feel incredibly lucky to be in pooling at this time where I can see both those groups and where we can hear from both of those groups um, at, in, in pretty equal proportion, frankly, right now. So that's pretty cool because I think it really sets us up to know more right now than, you know, perhaps where we're going to have the opportunity to know again. Um, that's pretty cool. The other thing that's cool is that, again, like I don't, I don't worry do, do I think about cyber and how, how cyber is going to come together? Sure. But at the end of the day, I know we're going to fix it because pools are natural problem solvers. That's what we do. We're not about making the, the profit to return to shareholders. We're not about getting the glory for some fancy new product with all sorts of bells and whistles. We're just here to fix the problem. That's our whole mission. And so that's exciting to me because that means, you know, whatever it is that comes our way, we're going to get it done. We're just going to get the work done. Um, so we've got a, a bunch of really focused, dedicated, smart people. 
Um, we know that we have the track record and the people sort of heading in the right direction for the future, the innovation. Um, and we're going to just, we're going to keep doing what we've always done, which is solve the problem. Yeah. I mean, in each new problem, you know, it, at the start, it's somewhat scary and nebulous, but, you know, the fact of the matter is most of us have stayed in this industry because we like the fact that there's always some new challenge coming around the corner and that you're not alone on an island trying to solve it. You do have that community of other pools around you to, to help solve the problem. So yeah, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. So thank you very much, Anne. This has been incredibly wonderful and very informative. Thank you so much for spending a few minutes with us here at the JPIA. That is a wrap for this episode. Thank you for everyone, for to everyone for listening to Five. Thank you to David Hodgins and thank you to Cliff Diver Music. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Five. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star review and leave a comment. Have a topic you would like to learn more about? Email us at podcast at aquajpia.com. Thank you to Cliff Diver Music for producing our music. And until next episode, thank you for making us a part of your day.